Ooh, thanks so much for the click. I'm Aaron Freeman, a science-loving comedian, and along with my partner, Dr. Peggy Mason, a fun-loving neuroscientist at the University of Chicago, welcome to the Brain Buddies podcast, sponsored by the Chicago Society for Neuroscience. Peggy and I love talking about brain-esque stuff. In the last episode of the Brain Buddies podcast, Peggy and I talked about biohacker Josiah Zayner, who attempted to heal his irritable bowel syndrome by replacing his entire microbiome. Very interesting. In this part of that same chat, we talked a bit more about Dr. Zayner and a bit about the democratization and trivialization of medical science. There's democratization of life and thought, and then there's trivialization of expertise. But wait, 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 wait. Those are there's democratization of science yeah. and there's trivialization of expertise. The seesaw. There's not a bright line between those two. As we've talked about frequently, I am not of one mind. Okay. I can think more than one thought and have more than one opinion, okay. and I usually do. <laughs> What's the right balance between democratization and expertise? I don't know the answer to that. I think that's a really, it's a question that I would love to hear people's thoughts on. Well, so okay. weigh in on the on the on the comments on, yes. on the blog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But since. His graduate school days, apparently, he's run a company called Odin, which supplies CRISPR kits for under $150. Sold by Josiah Zayner's company. To all takers. CRISPR is... Clustered, regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeats. Yes. CRISPR is a technology that allows you to edit DNA. And it's incredibly powerful technology. And so it... Homebrew DNA. Homebrew DNA. CRISPR puts these pretty powerful gene editing tools in the hands of people who, first of all, are not familiar with the safety protocols that grown-up scientists use. Because, excuse me, genetics and messing with the fundamental building blocks of life is a non-trivial pursuit. Now, if, if you're doing this in an academic institution... Everything you do is reviewed by the relevant committee. So you're reviewed by a um, biosafety review board, I think it's called. If you use uh, non-human animals, you're, you, you're reviewed by an institutional animal care and use committee. If you're using um, humans, you're, in, you're reviewed by an institutional review board. There are three different boards that will look at all the protocols before you do anything to make sure that non-human animals and humans are going to be kept safe and that the synthetics of biology, which these people are using in service of their science, are safe. Right. Are safely created, safely disposed of, safe to play around with. Those safeguards would stand as support of the notion of elite science because elite institutional science does have way more safeguards than anyone in their garage, no matter how well-trained and how well-educated, could put in place. And once you start mucking around with these organisms, you have the potential to affect other people. So now it's not a knock yourself out, go try and change your microbiome and if you get a perfect swarm of misfortune you die that's a contained problem and it's your choice but in this situation you have a potential to do others harm that becomes society's problem that becomes society's business and so i have more of a problem with this development than with him treating his own irritable bowel syndrome but of course 
your objections and your problems are irrelevant because for 150 bucks, anybody can buy the kit, whether you, Peggy Mason, Dr. Mason, like it or not. Yeah, and the genie's so-so out of the box, so yeah. Do you have responsibility as a scientist to warn the world about the dangers of DIY genetic engineering? Do I have a responsibility? I, I don't know. The minute I read that article, I thought this is a great topic to talk about because this is personally relevant to every individual, whether including non-scientists. What do you mean relevant? What do I There's care? I didn't buy balance. it. I'm not buying the CRISPR thing. What do I care? I'm sitting out here in my little house and with my chickens. I don't care about some other body, somebody's genetic This is this, gen, this general topic of whether you should or should not be able to take matters into your own hands. That is relevant to every person. And the other thing that's relevant to every person is whether doing modern synthetic biology, which is different from me watching my butterflies or Darwin watching his earthworms, whether doing modern synthetic biology is something uh, that we need to worry about, something that we need to think about regulating. Personally, I think that, that we do. So there are some safeguards in line. For example, the DNA stretch that you put into, an, uh, say, a bacteria, you get that synthesized from a company. Well, the company takes that code that it gets from you and it runs it through a database to make sure it's not a dangerous toxin of any type. They're not going to just take it on face value and send you back something that is, to their knowledge, highly toxic. And so there are already safeguards in the sense that people are not going to just synthesize any stretch of DNA that you want for them. So it sounds like one of the, th one of the things you're saying, you are uncomfortable with the, the fact that now these powerful genetic manipulation tools are theoretically in the hands of anybody who wants it and who has 150 bucks who can do with it as much as can be done with it. But that makes your personal Peggy Mason's spidey senses tingle. There's almost 8 billion people in this world. How many of them have nefarious motivations, right? But you don't need nefarious motivations for something to go tragically wrong. And there's that too. You could either be intentionally trying to do harm or you could unintentionally do harm. And there's a huge potential for unintentionally doing harm. You're uncomfortable with this notion of amateurs out here doing things that could have biological impacts way beyond their garage, yet you recognize that the genie is in fact out of the bottle. So how does that fit in your head as a scientist? Do you have to just make yourself comfortable with living in a more biologically dangerous world? Or do you assemble a committee at New Chicago to try to figure out some way to cope with this and regulate this? Um, you know, to be to be a little glib, I'm all, the first thing I, I will say is I'm glad I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Um, nah, it, it's not, I'm not going to go make this my life cause right now. Do I worry about it? Yes, I worry about it, but I worry about a lot of things. I don't think it's my scientist self that's worried about it so much as my citizen person self. 
This has to do with how do you make yourself comfortable with the increasing chaos in this field and many others in the world. You were trained as a scientist in a world where citizen science at the genetic level was not something you had to concern yourself with. It was just right. not, we just Science didn't have the tools and certainly regular knuckleheads like me didn't have the tools. So there have to be cognitive adjustments that one makes in order to comfortably live in this particular world. Don't there have to Let be? Let me give you another example. When I started teaching in 1993, my colleague Aaron Fox was teaching the pharmacology section. And at that time, medical students were taught that Botox was one of the most dangerous bioweapons in the world. And that just a little bit of Botox in the wrong hands could do great, great harm. And that's how we talked about it. As a as a destructive entity and now you have it in mall side uh, <laughs> offices a hundred bucks available get, for yeah. f- available for cosmetic purposes things evolve and i always hope that the goodness in people will win out it's a frustrated hope a lot of the time <laughs> these days but <laughs> so what's your big takeaway from uh, josiah zayner what do you want people to remember i think we should know? take away okay so here's what i want you listener, you listener to do. You have a job. Think about this. What level of angst? Scale of one to 10. 10 is apocalypse. One is, I'm going to- It's all good. Everything's good, everything's good. Um, What level of angst does the existence, the availability of synthetic biology in the hands of any person with $150 offer you well is it going to keep you up at night or are you going to sleep like a baby and on that note that's been fun everybody Ah, thank you peggy (laughs) talk to you soon thanks immensely much for listening if you are a neuroscience fan we hope you'll check out the chicago society for neuroscience online at chicagosfn.org you are also invited to visit peggy's blog thebrainissocool.com and you can find us both on twitter and facebook We're just getting started here, and we would love your feedback and or suggestions of neuroscience topics you'd like to hear us talk about. We really would love to hear your answer to the question. Scale of 1 to 10. What level of angst? 10 is apocalypse. 1 is... Everything's good. Everything's good. Um, What level of angst does the existence, the availability of synthetic biology in the hands of any person with $150 offer you. Until next time, wishing you palms that are peaceful and gleals full of glee from the Chicago Society for Neuroscience's Brain Buddies Podcast.